Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 311. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. What's up? 311. Huh? Episode 311. Oh. We should have we planned for, for that and done some sort of tribute to the band 311. <laughs> uh, Did you like 311? Were you a 311 fan? Yes and no. Like, I don't think I ever actually, like, bought any of their albums. But if it popped up on the TV, I would be like, yeah, 311, all right. I, I, I was the exact same, actually. I never owned a 311 album, but I really did like them. And then, like, as I got older, it was almost shameful to like 311. <laughs> so I, I didn't really... Like, I like their hits. You know, I, I was never a fan of their... They're deep cuts. Well, you probably never heard them. You never bought the album. Well, I would probably. have uh, other friends. Other uh, friends would be good. rocking out to rocking out to three eleven, and anytime they would they would pop on the three eleven CD, I'd be jamming to their to the singles, and yeah. then anytime anything else would come on, I'd be like, oh, this is not very good. Ah, <laughs> oh, three eleven. <laughs> wow. Uh, good times. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the indie comedy Job's World. We'll also be talking about someone we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us on this cold winter day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like 20, 26 degrees here right now. Yeah. You get snow? You got a bunch of snow up there? No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't oh, get snow. I got snow. I don't like it. Is that good or bad? It's. I mean, I get one fucking day off, and I wake up and it's like, cool. I get the shovel. Awesome. <laughs> mm. It's a lot. And the dog doesn't doesn't like the snow, so that's. Oh really? Thing. Yeah, she fucking hates it. Huh. Like she won't go of- to the bathroom because of the snow. Yeah, my dog has a problem with the cold. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes he won't poop. Mm-hmm. So like we'll we'll take him out and he'll pee. That's not a problem. But then <laughs> ain't doing it. We know we know that he has to poop. Like, oh yeah, dude, you have to poop. You haven't pooped today. But he just won't. He won't do it. He'll just stand there. <laughs> He's like, he'll just stand there shaking. <laughs> Fuck that. I'll try later. Wait until it warms up. So then I walk him around the block and walk him around. And keep walking him, and it's just it's such a hassle. Dogs. And we have like coats for him too. Try to keep him warm. All these coats. Anyway, <laughs> new episode of Say by the 90s going to be up soon. We're recording it today. We've got a lot of really fun stuff on, that we're going to be talking about on that. Um, keep an eye out on the Twitter account at 90s pod for the release day for that. It'll be it'll be soon. I'm not exactly sure when yet. Uh-huh. So stay tuned for that. With that being said, I think we can hop into our review. Job's World is directed by Michael M. Blondick. That sounds, that sounds sure. close. Per, sounds close. Yeah. We'll, we'll never know. I have a yeah. I have a synopsis here. Job, a mysterious middle-aged rollerblader, gets blamed for the drug overdose of a super-famous A-list actor. 
Afraid and confused, he spends one bizarre evening skating across the streets of Manhattan, all the while dodging paparazzi police and assorted late-night weirdos. We do have a review for this up on the site. Chris wrote a review for us. This is playing in limited release right now in theaters. Possibly yes. just New York. I'm not sure Correct. if it's, I'm not sure if it's playing LA. <laughs> I think it's all playing one theater in New York. I, yeah, I think one one week run. I think you're right. So what did you think of Job's World? Oh, Job's World. I kind of go back to that synopsis. Did it, did it say that it was a mysterious, that Job is a mysterious? Yes. It said a mysterious middle-aged rollerblader. What? Why is he mysterious? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a middle-aged rollerblader. <laughs> it deals drugs. I mean, most of what he does is pretty much out in the open. Yeah, like he just discusses it openly. I don't know what the uh, the mysterious aspect of Job would be because I never, th- I never once thought in in you know this film's short runtime like ah, oh, there's something more to Job. Like nor no, did I. But it, <laughs> everything that Job is about is there. It's in there. He rollerblades. He deals drugs, and he works on his sick manga. <laughs> yeah, man, that's. That's Job. That's what he does. Um, so yeah, he's not really mysterious. Don't be misled. I don't want anyone to be misled into thinking that there's a lot more to Job than meets the eye. Because he just rollerblades. And uh, this movie, this is a tough one. Because I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Um, but I mean, overall, and I think... The main reasoning for this is because of the the runtime. It's just overall, like, marginally enjoyed myself during its runtime. But yeah, I just, it, it, not memorable in any way. Yeah, this was a bit of a misfire for me. I was somewhat interested in it. I like a lot of the people involved. But for me, it was just kind of not, not a lot going on here i mean the runtime is just over an hour so thankfully yeah like you said that i think that that was to its benefit because if i had to spend an hour and a half two hours in job's world i'd want to kill myself probably (laughs) yeah a lot of it a lot of it felt very pointless to me like just it was just sort of a meandering film like i didn't the thing is i didn't find any of these so-called new york weirdos to be particularly interesting or intriguing in any way like they just seemed like not great actors putting on not great performances in yeah roles in roles that were not particularly interesting like they, they just it didn't really do it for me yeah, I think that yeah, I 100% agree with that because to me they didn't feel. I said yeah, pretty much like you said, they're not they're not interesting enough to spend that much time with them. The only one that I thought was interesting was you know the with the the films kind of based around is the you know the big time actor that he has to make this last minute drug deal too. Yeah, Royce. Royce. And like I, that section, I was like, okay, here we go. But you already know that that section is going to be short lived. 
because of, you know, the, uh, the synopsis. So then that, you know, ultimately comes to an end. So it's just a short, short-lived period of time where things are interesting. And then it's just back to Job just kind of rollerblading around. And he's not really, like, he's not really ducking the paparazzi. Like, he does that for maybe two seconds. And the, and the cops, like, yeah, there's, there's not one, really there's, a whole lot going on outside of that that meeting with Royce. Yeah, there's, like, one scene where he's running from the cops and the paparazzi, and that's Which is just him it. coming out of a door and leaving. Yeah. And skating. And the, a lot of this is just him skating around. They have the the this kind of like voiceover, like inner dialogue that he has just about what's going on, which, I mean, I didn't hate it. But at the same time, again, I just didn't find it that interesting. Never really found it to be that funny. No, I'm not. I, I get I'm assuming that this is supposed to be a comedy but uh, yeah i didn't find any of it to be really funny either the only thing there's two things that i found funny there was one where royce is like they call me r on the streets and then he just chuckles and says there are no streets (laughs) and then at the end when job is rollerblading around he's doing the inner dialogue thing and it's just like that's not how fast rainbow sounds that beatboxing i don't know where he got that from (laughs) Uh, that was about it like i kind of i'm kind of with you where it just it felt pretty pointless really wasn't on board with this one unfortunately i wanted to be but it just it fell short to me it wasn't a particularly good looking movie either it almost looked like they were trying to go for a a Safdie brothers vibe with the sort of neon lights and stuff everywhere. I mean, you have, it's, it's Sean Price Williams doing the cinematography. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it looked particularly great either. It's just, there wasn't a whole lot going on. I mean, yeah. The only thing, I mean, I would say two things to me that I enjoy. I liked uh, Paul Grimstad's score, and I liked the performance from uh, Theodore Belokas, who mm-hmm. plays Royce. Yeah, I really liked him. Yeah, he was good because he like he like he brought something. You know what I mean? Like he had like a presence to him. Everyone else just seemed kind of just like doing a shtick that didn't really work. Yeah, and a lot of the people. A lot of the people like Lindsay Burge and um, Caitlin Scheel are in it for v- just very, very short amounts of time. Like they're Keith Paulson too. Like they're only in it for uh, in the with Keith Paulson and Caitlin Scheel, they're in it for one scene. Yeah. Lindsay Burge is in it for like two scenes. It's, yeah. The most of this is just Job. Just Job. Who's Ro- Jason Greisel from. Uh, stinking heaven rollerblading around rollerblading around which i mean i did to a certain extent i did enjoy him too but it just again it just didn't feel like he really had a whole lot no he was he was okay i i did not like the inner monologue stuff too much at all it it didn't sound great 
like quality wise. And I just didn't, I really wasn't on board with, with that stuff. Same with like the intro, the, the, the opening with like the space stuff. The cosmos. Yeah. And I'm not on board with that. Yeah. And yeah. And I think, and I wonder if how much of that had to, for me, had to do with it because that was just like talk about getting off on the wrong foot. Yeah, it was really gr- <laughs> the cosmos, and then you had the voiceover stuff, and it's just you know talking about people not giving a shit, not giving a fuck. And it's the void, and it's just like, oh, uh-uh. I don't know if I like Job's world. I think one of the things that sort of brought it down for me and i know that this isn't necessarily fair but i couldn't help but think about it while i was watching it was that the show high maintenance on hbo is sort of the same idea where you have this main character this like unnamed main character in that show who is a a weed dealer he's a pot dealer and every episode he just goes and sees these eccentric clients of his and then we sort of hop into their world as the weed guy sort of floats in and out of their lives. And I think that that show does, does that concept really, really well. And to see it sort of done the same way in this movie didn't, it just made me want to watch high maintenance Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the new season that's coming out soon. And I'm just like yearning for that show. <laughs> As I'm watching I, this, I want maybe you know the the whole DIY like really really low budget. I almost wanted like a full commitment, and let's just make what was his name, Celestial Steve. Yeah, the the cosmic raver. Mm-hmm. Let's just do that. Let's just get some really shitty costumes. You have the cosmos stuff. You already have those special effects going on. Just slap a dude out there doing some raves in the cosmos. <laughs> Just raving it up. <laughs> like, that's far more interesting to me than some dude rollerblading around selling some pills and molly. Yeah. Just some New York goofballs. Just some New York weirdos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Unfortunately, again, misfire for me on this one. That That poster, too, is... Like, I know they're trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's like any other movie. I was thinking about this as I was looking at this poster. I got an e- If I got an email with this post poster, I'd just be like, nope. Nope. Because we, <laughs> we get emails a lot with movies that have posters like this. And we don't even give them the time of day. Hmm. What's up well, with those? What's up with those rollerblade wheels? Why are they like? Why do they look like that? Rollerblade wheels don't, don't look like that. There's maybe special for Job. I mean, it, it, it was enough for me just to see Job's world and see that. And I was there was apprehension on my part just because of the Z. Yeah, nah, that's a pass for me on Job's world. Let's give it a score out of ten. What are you going to give it? Truly was Job's world, wasn't it? It was. Was was it not? His world, like a like a four and a half, five. I'm sitting at a maybe four and a half on this one. Four, four and a half for me. 
All right, that's Job's World. Let's move on and talk about some we're watching on the watch list. My my list this week is a little a little sparse just because I've been cranking out a lot of these '90s movies for the say for the Save by the '90s podcast. But I do have a couple things here. Uh, one of which I don't think I mentioned on the show because last year or last week was a little bit of a different week. We didn't yeah. do a watch list. I saw Escape Room. Okay. This is the new thriller from Adam Robitel. I don't know who that is. Should I know who that is? Nah, I don't think so. Okay. What else did he do? He did uh, the the taking of Deborah Logan, which is a uh, that possession movie, and he did Insidious: The Last Key, which I didn't hey, see. The, I think I actually liked the Deborah Logan movie. I think I did too. Did I even did I see that? Uh no, I didn't like it actually. I gave it a I gave it two stars. <laughs> you just wanted to be like me. I gave it two stars. It's a found footage movie. Yeah. But it but the it's got that Alzheimer's twist to it. I gave it three stars. I liked that horror movie more than you did. It happens. Once at a blue moon, it happens. Yeah, it happens. So Escape Room, uh, you've probably seen trailers for it. It's about a group of people who get invited to this new escape room experience, and they go in, and it turns out that the rooms are filled with deadly traps. Uh, it's, it's got a little bit of a Saw vibe, and it's got a little bit of a, a, a Cube vibe, actually. All right, yeah. Not as good as Saw or Cube, but it, it's okay. It starts off pretty fun there's these like little clues as to you know what what's going on here so you're trying to piece it together like why these people were picked and all of this stuff but once the reveals happen like once the big reveal happens you're just like that's it like that's it's like the most bland predictable thing and everything everything in this movie is actually predictable. In fact, they, they give away one of the deaths in the trailer, which really bummed me out. Cause I remember when I first saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, that looks pretty fun. Except for the fact that clearly that person dies because they show it in the trailer. Yeah. There's only six people in the movie and they show one of them getting killed in the trailer. So you're just yeah. like, all right, that's, that's not cool. So now you're like, I only get to witness five deaths. Yeah. You know, it's your pretty pretty basic PG-13 type thriller. The escape rooms themselves were very well done. Uh, they were, each each was very unique and had some really cool uh, traps and puzzles. So that, yeah. I, that I liked. Like this one room was upside down. It was like a, took place in like a bar and everything was upside down. And uh, the floor or ceiling, depending on how you look at it, was dropping like it would drop pieces pieces of it would drop out uh this is pretty cool so there there were some fun aspects of it but overall not not great hmm. you're pretty typical january release i have a review for this up on the site do you, i imagine that we come to find that they're not truly strangers they're they are connected they're connect, they, they're they, connected in some not, way not personally they're not connected personally but um, they all do share uh, a similar life event, I guess you could say. There's there's something that 
they all have in common. Uh, Put it that way. Uh, I finally got to see Belladonna of Sadness from 1973. Kind of considered long lost um, animated film from mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. They got uh, redone, I think, by Sinalicious, which I don't know if Sinalicious is around anymore. It seemed like they went kind of hard. Yeah, I'm not. I'm storing some movies and then they just disappeared for. I don't know if that <laughs> ate up all their budget. Because I honestly, I completely forgot about them until I watched this movie and their little, you know, logo animation thing popped up. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever happened to these guys? But, uh, I, and I've been wanting to see this for a long time. If you've ever seen any of the stills from this movie, the the artwork for this is just, it's incredible, right? <clears throat> so I was really excited to, to finally get to see this. I saw this on movie. They had it up on movie. I think it's still on there, actually. And the one the one thing that I didn't know going into it is that it, it is kind of uh, heavy on rape and sexual assault, right? But my understanding of it was that there was like, there was one instance of it and then this woman dealing with that. Right. So I was like, okay, I just got to get through this. This scene is what I'm guessing. But what it turns out is this fucking movie is just like the first 30 minutes or so. is just this one woman just constantly being raped and or sexually assaulted just constantly. Oh God. And yeah, mm. it's just, and like the way that they do it, like the way that the animation style is and everything, like it just, it's really, really off-putting. And the other thing that I found out, you know, shortly into starting this movie is when I say animated film, yes, technically it's animated, you know, hand-drawn, watercolors, that type of deal, but the large, large majority of this is just stills. It's just drawings, like kind of mural type things, and a camera just pans across them. Only once in a blue moon, and it's usually something small in the frame, is actually animated. And when it is animated, when there is like this small animated sequence, it looks god-awful. But, I mean, the score is great. It's this wonderful like fusion of like jazz slash like psychedelic rock prog rock type deal and it's great uh the visuals again like the artwork's incredible but like the actual story of it and everything is just it's terrible and the worst part is it's this whole thing of like she ends up making a deal with the devil to like get back at everyone and like have power and everything and she essentially is her demise is at the end and then it does this like after that happens right it's like oh later on in history it talks about like women leading the fight in the in the french revolution and like there's supposed to be some like tie into that Or it's just like, I'd laughed out loud. I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Honestly, either listen to the soundtrack and just look at stills from this movie. And it's, I 
assure you that it'll be better than actually watching it. All right. That's Belladonna of sadness. Yeah. Sounds like a pass Indeed. from you. Uh, just an update on the Sinalicious thing. Uh, they are not around anymore. They closed in 2018, and their catalog was uh, given over to Arbelos Films. Okay. So Arbe- Arbelos Films is another company that does distribution and restoration. So they now hold the Sinalicious catalog. Okay. That's unfortunate. Uh, Sinalicious, they did a lot of really cool stuff. They... They restored a lot of really sort of obscure yeah, titles. Maybe too obscure. Yeah, not, I think that, that might be it. From it. Yeah. Uh, I saw a really interesting one called Animal World. This came out last year. It's it's a, ch- a Chinese film directed by uh, Han Yan. This is so it's based on a an anime. And it was previously, there was another live action one that was made, a Japanese version that was made. And I never saw that, but I did see this one. What a, this movie is absolutely bonkers. So it it's about this guy who ends up, his his mother's in the hospital. He's got kind of a shitty job and he went through sort of a traumatic life experience when he was younger and he needs money because he can't afford the hospital bills anymore. And he's trying to create a life with his girlfriend, but he's hesitant to actually like marry her or officially date her, I guess, because he has no money and he just feels bad about not being able to provide for her and stuff. And he goes into business with his childhood friend who ends up losing all of his savings. And not only that, but he ends up being in debt to this rich guy played by Michael Douglas of all people. (laughs) And who? Yeah. Michael Douglas. The like the Michael Douglas. Yeah, like I didn't know he was in this at all until he popped up and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he's not in it for like one scene either. Like he's a pretty major part of this movie. And so Michael Douglas gives him an opportunity and he says, okay, there's there's a way you we can you can wipe your debt clean. You have to play a game. And you're going to go you're going to board this ship. And it's going to go out to international waters and you're going to play this game. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. So it turns out that the game that they play is rock, paper, scissors. So it's a deadly game of rock, paper, scissors that they play with all these other contestants on the ship and rich people will bet. Yeah. Rich people will bet on who, they want to win or who they think is going to win this game of rock, paper, scissors. So how's the deadly game of rock, paper, scissors work though? It's actually really, really, (laughs) it's a lot more complex than what you might think. So like, it's all about having these stars. So the, the idea is that you have to have, 
you you get a stack of cards. Everybody gets the same number of cards, and each card has either rock, paper, or scissors on it. And the goal, it, the the game takes takes four hours to complete. Good lord! And the goal is to get rid of all of your cards while still having three stars. And if you lose, you lose a star. If you win, you gain a star from the person that you mm-hmm. beat. Now, there's so there's all of so there's that which makes it a little bit more complex than just your regular rock paper scissors. But then there's the rules are like really sort of gray. So you're allowed to buy stars from people. You're allowed to buy cards from people. You're allowed to trade. So, like, I could trade one of my stars for, like, three of your cards, you know, for instance. So, there's all this, like, sort of bartering that can happen and trading. You can take out a loan. So, there's, like, a loan officer, like, on the boat. So, you can go and take out a loan that gets charged interest by the minute while you're on the boat. So, you could go in further into debt, possibly. But if you lose, there's some really major consequences that I won't get into here. But trust me, this movie is absolutely insane. The uh, Just watch a trailer for it and you'll just be like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? It's just it's insane because I'm looking at the poster for this movie and going off of the poster, the furthest thing from my mind would be a deadly game of rock, yep. paper, scissors out in yep. the international waters. <laughs> and, when you, is- <laughs> and when you watch the trailer, you'll think the same thing. You'll just be like, what is going on? Because in the trailer, because they have like monsters and like he turns into this like superhero clown character and fights all these monsters. And the movie, the movie is so over stylized. Like it's, unbelievable how ridiculous like there's this one scene where it follows this little this fly like throughout this this whole action sequence and you're just like why is that here why why is that in this movie none of it makes any sense it's like it's like okay we have this huge vfx budget so we're gonna use it we're just gonna throw in as much crazy over the top like slow motion and cg as we can and I mean, it's just insane. You almost got to appreciate that shit. Like, I wish I wish Hollywood would maybe take that approach more often. Yeah. Just fucking go bonkers, man. I'm not saying the movie's good, but it, but is it so, at least sounds interesting. It's so much fun. And I had a great time with it. And th- see, the thing is, the main character, he's a bit of a math whiz. Like his, so his dad, his dad was a math teacher. And so he, he's like this sort of genius math, math prodigy. So a large portion of the movie is him devising him looking at the number of cards left out in the wild, because they don't tell you who has what cards, but they do tell you how many cards of each type are still like in the rotation. Okay. So he so he looks at this and then he uses his like statistics and probability skills to figure out a plan to win the game. And like you can have multiple winners. Like you can yeah. have multiple people cuz all you, the, they'll divvy all, up the purse. 
Well, that's not really a purse. You're not winning any money. Oh. You're just you're just having your debt wiped. Oh, okay, okay. Now it's possible. It's possible that you could come out of there with money. Like if you sell your cards, for instance, yeah, to yeah. someone, you could come away winning. So if you had like three cards left and you had three stars, yeah. You could say if somebody needed cards, you could sell them your cards for like a large portion of money. And then you could just be like, okay, I'm out. Uh, I have three stars. I don't have any cards left. I'm done. I'm good. And then they escort you to this like sort of winner's room on the gotcha. ship. And you're saying Michael Douglas is in this. He's the American yeah. actor. Michael yes. Douglas. American actor Michael Douglas is in this. So they, so. There's a lot of people from different nationalities in this, and they wear these like uh, interpret interpreter, like these translator uh, headset things, so that they can all so they they can all understand each other if they don't speak the language. Because my next question was really hoping that you would say yes to is that Michael Douglas speaks speaks Chinese or can't or can't (laughs) speak. Yeah, I really want to see. Damn. No, no, he just speaks English. Oh. He, he, uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend Animal World. It's on Netflix, so you can give it a look. It's so much fun, and it's just so ridiculous. Ted, the fuck? Yeah, I'm telling you, 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 I was so into it. I'm just like, oh, man, like, he figured out a new plan, and then, like, that plan doesn't work. Oh, he just figured out something else. And it, it reminded me a lot of an anime. Like, uh, it, it definitely had that anime quality. Like, there's all of these, like, on-screen graphics that come up. Like, as he's describing his plan, they'll have this, like, very elaborate, like, CG thing where, like, the cards will come up. And then he'll, like, as he's explaining it. And you're just like, oh, wow, yeah, that's going to work. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I was really, really into it. Something that is also on Netflix that I saw, which is Roma. Oh. Saw the big daddy on the Netflix there. Yeah. I was, we were kind of like waiting for it to come to theaters. Because we thought like, oh, there's an outside chance, you know, Roma will come. But then when we kind of looked at what happened with if Bill Street could talk and how that took forever to come and then it came to one theater, it's kind of like, you know what? I don't think Roma's ever going to come here. No. So we ended up ended up pulling the trigger and watching it on a twenty seven inch TV. Did you did you use did you see that they came out with a guide? A guide to how to set your TV? I would imagine that that was probably for like regular TVs. TVs. <laughs> regular TVs made within like two years. Not a TV from fifteen years ago that's twenty seven inches. I wonder if he if he had optimal viewing guidelines for that. I'm really happy to say that I checked the the guide and I looked and my settings were the exact same. So it made me feel good about how I how I set already, my TV. You already know. Yeah. Did it say watch it with the volume at four? It no, it did not <laughs> it did not say that. So yeah, I saw uh, Roma in less than optimal circumstances, but uh, it still, for the most part, worked for me. Um, and when I say worked for me, mostly what I'm talking about is the filmmaking itself, like the the cinematography, 
the black and white again uh, because of the the this the circumstances under which I saw them. To me, the black and light was a little muddied. Like it, it could have been crisper. But then again, I'm working off of an old ass TV here, so I don't know if that's really his fault. Maybe more so shortcomings on the side of my TV. I don't know. Could be because <laughs> it it looked really good on my end. Okay. If I get maybe a bigger TV, it might it might work out for me. But the like the cinematography of this and just the pacing of it and really the sound design too, I thought all were fantastic. And I loved his just the camera sitting and just kind of the the oscillating back and forth as she kind of maneuvers through the house, you know, upstairs, downstairs, coming down the steps and the, you know, it's swiveling and everything. I enjoyed all of that. I thought it looked great. I think the the biggest thing for me is knowing that this is kind of a film kind of dedicated or, you know, like a passion project dedicated to like his nanny or a housekeeper, whatever you want to call her that she plays in the movie. Cause she kind of does everything like her character, Cleo, like <clears throat> for a large portion of this movie, there's just nothing to her. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably a common thing where they just sort of stay quiet and do their job and just walking around. Yeah. Really not really doing anything, which I, I mean, it worked for the most part, but then after a while, it's just kind of like, Okay, you kind of have this semi-detached camera because it's always there's always this distance between Cleo and the audience. And she's not really doing anything. No really personality whatsoever. And it just after a while it just kind of became tiresome. Yeah, I, I agree actually. I I thought that the performance from uh Yulitsa Precio was yeah. uh, incredible. <clears throat> Well, and it, it, it finally gives her something to do, like towards the tail end of the movie when, you know, they introduce the the drama aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. and that everything from that, where they, they, you know, they're finally at one point do like a semi close up of her and you actually get to see her. And she gives this this wonderful performance from there on out. But everything like the lead up to that is just uh, didn't work for me. Didn't work for me at all. And I will, um, her as a housekeeper, because I have experience with this, grew up living in these houses because my mom was a housekeeper. I got to say the dog shit was out of control. Like, yeah. That, well, that was what, awful. I mean, they, the, I was confused about the dog shit because in the opening scene, we see her cleaning it. But then it seems like later in that day, it was full of dog shit again. It's like, how much is this dog shitting? It's one dog. Yeah. It's one dog. And that, you know, when he comes home, when the husband comes home, that's a, that's like a week's worth of dog shit. Yeah. There's just shit everywhere. What's, what's happening? How are you not cleaning up the dog shit? What are you feeding that dog? If you step outside, there's some dog shit. Clean it up real quick. I'm sorry. Not the, you know, but well, she's got a lot of uh, other stuff going on. Clearly, yeah. I mean, they do have her doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, clearly, clearly, she's stretched pretty thin as far as her du- her duties in that home. But it does it, it it is interesting to me that you have three employees 
and they're they're getting overpowered by one dog's shit. <laughs> this dog who can jump like crazy. Mm-hmm. Good good dog action in this movie, by the way. He's great. great dog. He just something's going on with his diet because he's shitting too much. I didn't like that they left the dog in the like carport area. That's not a good place to leave a dog. He did have that nice, like nice little. It wasn't necessarily a doghouse, but it was kind of like cut into the wall that he got to kind of hang out in. Yeah, that's true. But uh, if you're going to keep him out there and he's going to live there, like clean up the dog shit. Just clean it up a little bit. Yeah. But I did love that opening where she's kind of cleaning that floor and the, you know, there's the, when the water finally comes and it reflects the, mm-hmm. the sky. Yeah. That was pretty, great. pretty fantastic. Yeah. Great looking movie. Uh, all right, that's Roma, available on Netflix. I saw Band of Robbers. This is from 2015. This is directed by Aaron Nee and Adam Nee. This is one that I remember when this came out, and I didn't really, I didn't really pay attention to it. But I recently saw a trailer for it. I don't even know where I saw a trailer for it actually. But I realized that it's not. I always just thought that this was sort of this indie crime comedy, mm-hmm. but I realized that it's actually about a grown up Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. Okay. And yeah. And the, so uh, Kyle Gallner and Adam knee play Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. And they, it, it takes place in modern modern times and they sort of devised this plan to find this uh, gold and it's sort of an interesting um sequel i guess to to, to the the mark twain books I, I don't know how to i don't know what you would call it reimagining but it was okay i i thought that there were some funny moments it for some reason, I was getting like really heavy bottle rocket vibes from it, where it's this sort of, it's dark, but it's also got this sort of quirky humor to it, where uh, Adam Nee's character of Tom Sawyer sort of felt like Owen Wilson's character in Bottle Rocket. Good, good soundtrack in it. Decent performances. Overall, I'd say it's a, it's a light recommend. I think this is on Netflix, too. Everything just popping up on Netflix. Yeah. Is it, does it involve a deadly game? <laughs> no. Rock, paper, scissors. No, not a deadly game run by rich people betting on the contestants. God damn it. Uh, I saw Mother Joan of the Angels. This is from 1961. This is a Polish movie directed by Jersey Kowalowicz. This is essentially kind of based off of the same... Uh, demonic possession that takes place in this like nun convent that gave way to Ken Russell's The Devils. This is a different take on it. This is more subdued. It's not over the top and outlandish and like kind of, I mean, it's still a little bit controversial, but this is more grounded in reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, sensationalized, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, number one off the bat, 
cinematography in this is just gorgeous. It's just everything that you would expect from a Polish movie from the 60s. And just the way in which the the camera kind of operates throughout the, the convent. And you have all these nuns that are, they're all possessed, right? And there's this this priest shows up. This is where it starts out as this, this priest comes in. He's there. There's already three priests working in the convent trying to trying to get the demons out, right? So there's three of them working day and night trying to rid the place of demons. And the last priest that was there, he got burned at the stake. So this guy's coming in. He's, I guess he's the... He's the last hope. He's the real deal. He's going to he's going to make things happen, right? So he he goes in and just the way in which the camera maneuvers through this convent with all these nuns kind of like the the choreography of these nuns just kind of just doing whatever they want and everyone's just kind of terrified of them because you know, it's it's the olden days and these these women are free-spirited and they're nuns and Go, God, what's happening? The devil. And uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Hmm. And he goes into, uh, you know, he's trying to get the demons out, and it becomes this kind of, kind of a, this look at like sacrifice and love. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. I definitely recommend it. If, he, if you're, if you're into, you know, black and white. 60s polish movies okay and that's mother joan of the angels correct which this is on this is restored on second run dvd that's where i got this imported it from the uk oh okay cool uh last one i'll mention is a movie that's coming out on friday on netflix and that's called fire the greatest party that never happened this is a documentary about the fire festival now I'm sure you're familiar with the Fire Festival, right? Yes. And the the debacle, of greatest the, thing the, that's ever happened. The the disaster of the Fire Festival. This is directed by Chris Smith. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. It's just a documentary that sort of um, it starts. It begins with the fallout from the festival, so it's, it just gives you a little glimpse of the disaster with you know, footage that people took of what it, what it was actually like. And then it hops back five months to when they decided to make this festival. And so first of all, like the first red flag is like, they only had five months to plan this thing. So they decided to do the festival (laughs) five months from when they were like, okay, let's do this. It's, which is insane. You have this guy, this uh, self-proclaimed entrepreneur, playboy dude, uh, Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule, who decide to do this thing. And the whole thing was in order to promote uh, an app called Fire. So the app, <laughs> the app was... I didn't know that, I didn't know that tidbit. Yeah, so the app was actually was actually a good idea. It was a way to book celebrities for events. And it was like an easy way to just book celebrities. 
uh, where you don't have to go through agents and stuff like that. You could just do it directly from the app. And I think that's actually a pretty good idea because I know that it can be difficult to book talent for different things. And this is just, it streamlines that whole process. So, you know, they launch the app, they're trying to get exposure for it. So they decide to throw this festival and they're going to invite, you know, influencers, um, putting up air quotes, as I say, influencers, and they're going to invite a whole bunch of, you know, top tier bands and musicians to play this thing. And it's going to be at this private island in the Bahamas that they supposedly bought, which was a lie, by the way. He said he, he said he bought this island that was Pablo Escobar's island. He bought it for $10 million, but he didn't actually buy it. In fact, they got kicked off the island because when they booked the island, they the owners, the actual owners of the island said, you can use it for your event, but you're you're not supposed to say that it was Pablo Escobar's Island. Well, in the very first promotional video that they released, the first thing they said was that it was Pablo Escobar's Island. <laughs> so they got kicked off the island and they didn't have anywhere to do the, the show. And then they ended up uh, buying some or renting some space on the island of uh, Exuma, I think it was, which is not a private island. It's So... It was just a complete disaster from the get-go. And if you don't know all of the details about how this all went down, this is an interesting documentary that sort of takes you through the timeline of events and goes all the way up until now when uh, he's uh, Billy McFarlane is in jail. Not just because of this, but because of another scam that he did directly after he got caught for this thing like he was out on bail and he decided to do another scam that was even more egregious than this so now he's going to prison for six years i think oh god so overall pretty interesting documentary i feel like maybe it came a little bit too soon because I, I have a feeling that this story is not over quite yet. I think that we're going to see more Billy McFarlane stuff in the news. Yeah, And I, I think that it would have been good for them to just let this story simmer a little bit more. Because, I mean, this just happened in 2017. Yeah. It also seems like something that could, that I, I think personally would be much better suited in a like intensely investigated, like long journalistic piece. You know yeah. I mean? I mean, the New York times, you could do it that the do New York times, the, the, I knew most of the details about this because New York times wrote a piece about it. Uh, sh- shortly after it, it happened, this was back in, I think April or may of 2017. And the times wrote a really detailed piece that just went through everything. And that's how I knew almost all of the details. This is interesting though, because it inter- they interview a lot of the people who were organizing it, you know, um, a lot of the people in charge of booking the talent and stuff like that. And so you get this sort of personal account mm-hmm. more. So it's more than just like uh flat, 
timeline of events. It, it, they, you do get that sort of personal touch and they do interview, um, attendees of the festival. So you can, so they, they go over like all of the weird shit that they would email people and stuff like that. And how they incorporated these wristband things. And they recommended that you put like $3,000 on these like prepaid wristbands when they didn't even have the technology to actually use the wristbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so people put all this money on these wristbands when they couldn't even do anything with it. <laughs> people, people falling for it, man. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the m- most interesting things about it was the, the fact that they got, they signed these contracts with the Bahamas and, and the, the the people that lived there and they ended up hiring like 200 people to build this venue out and you know people were spending night and day working overtime building this thing and they never got paid and some some people like were ended up going in debt because of this and being in really bad financial situations because of this and i think that that is something that they could have underscored more in the documentary because you hear about this and you, you kind of laugh it off because you think that it's just, you know, rich white Instagram models that got screwed over. And then of course, Billy McFarlane, who's like a fucking movie villain and you laugh it off and you're like, I don't care about that. But then you realize like there are a lot of people that got, really burned by this thing that, you know, hardworking people that got screwed over because of this, like big time. Yeah. And I think that they could have pushed that a little bit more in the movie, but they do touch on it. So Hmm. anyway, that's fire and that'll be on Netflix this week. All right, let's take a look at some of what's coming out in theaters this week. We have glass coming out okay old Shyamalan action this All one right. uh from from early reviews on this one doesn't not not too good it's got a 38 percent right now in Rotten Tomatoes oh for real yeah oh I, boy this is one where I was like slightly interested in seeing it I don't know if I need to see it in the theater yeah. but it's kind of a cool idea we also have adult life skills. This is a comedy, quirky comedy. Okay. Don't come back from the moon. Uh, we have the standoff at Sparrow Creek, Unbridled, The Last Man. These are all like smaller releases. By the way, I think Glass is the only one that's getting a big release. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much it. All right, let's see what we have on VOD this week. On the 15th, we have Dry Blood, Doom Room. These are all horror movies. Bloodbound. So we got Dry Blood and Bloodbound coming out on Tuesday. And then on Friday, we have Don't Come Back from the Moon, The Standoff at Sparrow Creek. Close. Is it close or close? Mm, you have to watch it, find out. I'm not sure if it's close or close. What's it about? I think it's close. 
Probably. Trying to get it based off of context. It's an adrenaline pumping action thriller written and directed by Vicky Jusen. Yeah, it's got to be close. Inspired by the life of the world's leading female bodyguard. Yep, probably a lot Jackie of close Davis. calls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Close calls. The film stars Numi Rapace as Sam, a counter-terrorist expert used to war zones who takes on the job of protecting Zoe, a young and rich heiress. Uh, I feel like Numi Rapace must have some sort of contract with Netflix. I, f- I think there's more of these. Because you, you notice there's like the same people mm-hmm. in, a, in a lot of these Netflix originals. Like Alexander Skarsgård's been popping up a lot in them. Um, yeah, I think they're doing the kind of like the old like studio deals. That's what I think like too. Six, co- six picture deal for Netflix. Yeah, we talked about this before. Yeah. In the past on the show. And I, I think that they are doing that. The more that I see sort of the same actors in a lot of these movies, not that that's a bad thing necessarily, just an observation. Yeah. All right. We also have The Last Man, An Acceptable Loss, Adult Life Skills, all these small moments. Mm hmm. Decent number of things coming out, although I can't say as I'm particularly excited about any of them. No, not really. I mean, I heard decent things about uh, adult life skills. Yeah, uh, we should have a review for that up early this week. It looks it looks charming. That would be so, my pick out of every if I had to pick one out of everything. I think that would probably be my pick too. Blu-ray this week. We got Halloween. This is the the David Gordon Green one from last year. I'm hoping that there's some good bonus content on that. I feel like like the big releases, the big studio releases on Blu-ray recently have just had nothing as far as supplements, and it's really it's really mm-hmm. a bummer. Yeah, because then you have to wait for some you know boutique uh, Blu-ray place to hopefully pick it up and put something out. Arrow is putting out Crimson Peak okay. in 2015. Really cool cover on that. We have Once Upon a Deadpool coming out. This is the PG-13 version of Deadpool 2. Yeah. I think they should have put the the original one in there, too. Packed it in. Double disc it. Would. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Saturday the 14th is coming out. This is uh, looks like some sort of horror comedy from 1981. The Old Man and the Gun, starring Robert Redford. Oh, you know, yeah. I, yeah, when this, when I first started reading about this, I was thinking this could be a, an awards contender, but it just kind of came and went. You didn't really hear much about it. I, I saw it on a couple of year-end lists, which kind of threw me off because I was like, did it actually come out? I don't remember it ever coming out. <laughs> I think it came out sometime in like October or well, November. Whenever it did, I don't remember anyone talking. Yeah, I think it might have come out when I was in Japan, and I thought maybe that's why I didn't hear much about it because I was away. But I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Happy birthday to me is coming out. This is from 1981. Getting retro VHS packaging. Hmm. You know. Cool, I guess. The Forbidden Photos of a Lady Above Suspicion from 1970. Mm. This is, is a... Uh, is that Italian? 
Yes, it is like Italian. It seems better, like an Italian title. You better believe it's Italian. <laughs> really verbose. Gotta be Italian. Yeah, this is... Uh, I don't know if this is... It's not... I don't know if this is uh, explicitly like a Giallo film. It might be like slightly pre-Giallo or one of those, but it looks interesting. Goosebumps 2 coming out. Uh, Crawl from 1983 is also oh, getting... Oh, yeah. It's also getting one of those VHS type releases so what is what's that it just it looks like a vhs but it's not a vhs like it's it, still it says or? it says okay mill creek entertainment is putting it out it says retro vhs packaging mm-hmm. i'm looking at a picture but and, and i can't tell if it's like the case or just the artwork if it, it looks like it's actually in some sort of yeah, like a sleeve box, box sleeve type deal. Okay, so it's it looks like it's just a regular Blu-ray case that has VHS type artwork on it. That that's it. That's fucking dumb. Yeah, it looks like it. There's a slip case, like a cardboard slip case, like they do on most Blu-rays these days. Which, by the way, is a waste. End that. Let's it's end that. Waste. My God, what's fucking the point waste. of that? going in the trash yeah so th- nothing special about it they just make it sort of look like a vhs Ooh. i'm not into that really all right we have jonathan this was the sci-fi one with ansel elgort mm. it's all right i saw that at tribeca last year i think that i have a review for that up um hmm 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 a lot of re-releases this week, like Scott Pilgrim, The Little Rascals, Safe House, Born on the Fourth of July, Aaron Brockovich. I'm not sure why why these things are being re-released, but pick them up, get them. Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I do now. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that. Wow. Two, two guns. <laughs> Oh, to this day, it's still the greatest title. (laughs) Two guns. (laughs) Two guns. We would always, like every week, it was, we were talking about that. That that was one of those movies, man. That was, we, it was on a list of either coming out in theaters or DVD Blu-ray for like seven months. Yep. Two guns always came up and you always had to hit them with two guns. (laughs) This is such a fucking dumbass title, and it's coming back, and and, and we're it's, <laughs> we're talking about it again too. It's not gone yet. We got oh man, it's my favorite. Two guns. I gotta watch that at some point. <laughs> I don't know if I ever saw it. <laughs> I, maybe I did. I just I don't know. I I have to say, if Ryan ever comes back for Ryan watches a movie, I think the first movie he should watch is Two Guns. Yeah, just to christen it. I think that might be, yeah, we definitely have to do something something really special. Uh, any criterions this week? Oh, we got one. And it's, a, it's a biggie. Got uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. Uh-oh. Getting the old Blu-ray. Big fan. All sorts of special features on there. There's a lot of stuff going on. So it looks it looks as though it is jam-packed. Nice. Great. That's what I like to hear. No two guns, though. No. 
Ain't no two guns. <laughs> could ever, could anything ever be two guns? <laughs> nope, just two guns. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.